I never want us to lose that sense of, of privilege, not from a kind of superiority, arrogant point of view, but from a point of view of that deep appreciation that I could still be, if it wasn't for God, well, I could be in all sorts of places, but even church-wise, I could still be in, uh, I don't know how many meetings they'd be having a Sunday now, but I could still, my life, be filled with meetings which are basically all about me receiving and not much about me giving or working out and, and not engage. I mean, when, when I think uh, about the opportunity to engage in the reality of society, I, I touch something in God's heart. He never meant for us to withdraw into some holy huddle or religious uh, environment or spend our life having meetings in buildings he meant us to be salt in the earth and light in the darkness, and we do that by actually engaging. But we also do that by actually demonstrating what he's like. And we demonstrate what God, God is love. You know, we all know that. His primary way of recognizing God is his love. And uh, he loved us first, and then that caused us to love him, and then he brought us into his body, and then implanted within us an ability to love one another and thereby to show what he's like. You can't really show what God is like. Oh, I have a wonderful relationship with Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. It's you lot that I can't stand, you know. You can't, you can't really represent God on the earth in isolation. You can't do it on your own. You might be the most holy or you think of yourself the most holy person, you can't do it on your own. God is essentially corporate. He must have a corporate expression. And that's what God has given us to do. My objective, my concern, part of what's underlying what I want to share with you now, is that we live in the fullness of what God has given us. Not in a diluted version, not in an an insipid representation, but in the fullness. Now, is this it? Is this it? Because if so, we, we, the best thing we could do would, would have a mass exodus. Have we finished? Have we arrived? Is there nothing more? Is there nothing more in the expressing of what God really wants in terms of loving him and loving one another? I don't think any of us probably think that. But we do need to be kind of quickened in our mind and saying, wait a minute, if this is not it, if there is something more, by the grace of God, help me to explore, to develop, to change, to enter in to something beyond where we are at the present time. Because moving from one degree of glory to another, growing up into him, and all those sort of scriptures send, say to me that, wait a minute, we have not arrived, that there's something further and something more. So I want to set out a basis. John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
I would say that's fairly clear. Yeah? Do it as you've received it from me. As I have loved you, then you, of course everything he tells us to do, he actually equips us to do it. So what we're looking at here, well, all right, love of God, um, we understand is practical. Um, we understand God saw the total mess that the world was in, the failure of the old covenant, sent Jesus, his one and only son, to actually come, uh, instigate, bring in a new covenant, uh, which was going to deal with the, with the, the issue of of the cleansing of the heart, the cleansing of the conscience, not the external uh, conforming to that which was right. It was going to bring a whole new thing. And so, saw that we needed a saviour and he sent a saviour. So, practical. And of course, we go through the scriptures, but the expressions of his love are practical. It's, it's not just a kind of theory or feeling, it has to actually be acted out. As cause what, uh, as we formed way back in the beginning, ran us into trouble. Because the structure, or we may call it the wineskins of the previous revelation, could not contain, whether it, whatever it was, it couldn't contain what had to happen to be a living expression of actually loving one another and the practical outworking of that. And so we had to form. And uh, we've always got to be ready to form uh, in, in accordance with what God shows us. Otherwise, the structure becomes a stricture. I mean, it becomes, uh, what the, it becomes a, the limitation. It, it, everything has to be fitted within something rather than the form uh, being there to help express what God gives us to do. <coughs> so it has to be practical. Because it comes from God, it's supernatural. We are not talking about a kind of uh, refined version of, of the Rotary Club or Toc H or something like that. We're not talking about a kind of, uh, I don't know, a, a self-help club with choruses. You know, it's, we have to understand God has called us to a supernatural, uh, I mean, in a supernatural environment, I can receive something, whether it be an act of kindness or a word, bring it to Clive in 10 seconds and it can make a difference. You can't do that in the natural. We're talking about operating in a supernatural way. In a supernatural sense. Richard November can actually love somebody like me who is different to him, slightly. The, guys, let us not be reduced to a kind of natural thing. This is supernatural stuff. This is ministering the life of God. This is people who are empowered by God to actually show what he's like by the primary characteristic of God himself, namely love. It will, of course, have kingdom values, kingdom attitudes. It's not going to represent God and do something different. Uh, I mean, you can't represent the love of God 
and then carry out some sort of jealousy or some bitterness or some gossip. Or I mean, it just wouldn't make sense, would it? I mean, I hardly need to spend any time on that. If you represent someone, you've got to represent what the values are. I mean, we, we understand that. Any representation must have that. But of course, the outcome is the same as the love of God. It's actually life-giving. I mean, we, we were watching, uh, what was that program? Something about heroes. I wasn't really a, paying attention. I was doing the ironing at the time. Wasn't I? <laughs> Amazing feats. It was celebrating um, the achievement of some of the armed forces. Amazing acts of bravery. And but I, I, I want us to understand. We can celebrate somebody who, you know, a grenade is thrown in and they, they throw their body on the grenade and they lose their life, but they, they save the lives around. That's saving life. We're, we're talking something more than that. We're talking about a, a life impartation, not just a protection of natural life, but the ability to actually impart, to give something which, which creates life, life of God. It's absolutely amazing. So let's look at some of the characteristics. Um, desire, uh, therefore, to live in the outworking, we're talking about. This is not some sort of extra special, you know. We must never get into that realm where we have it, you know. We are the people that have it. You know, a kind of, uh, some extra special covenant some level of superiority and arrogance. No, what we're doing is simply agreeing to be an outworking of what we potentially have with anybody that wants to live under the rule of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we are agreeing to be that. It's not some new additional covenant. It is the new covenant and we're living it out. Covenant talks about a relationship uh, between people. And we're particularly focusing on two people that need to be in agreement. So if I'm in covenant relationship with Richard, uh, he has, in order for that to happen, he, he has to know about it and basically be party to it. You understand the nature of, of covenant. It's, it's not something which kind of just happens. It's, a, it's very intentional. Nature of covenant means that there are terms or expectations or principles which are both spelled out and agreed. That's, that's the nature. See, that's why I'm referring to being an expression of the covenant relationship we have with God, being in covenant relationship. It's not like a casual feel-good Make it nice, everybody happy. It has a lot more um, teeth and oomph and action and connection than that. This stuff is, is electric. This is powerful. This is God's chosen way. 
You know, that's why he says, well, uh, all men will know there's something very special. They'll know you're my disciples when you love one another. We're talking about something which is, which is uh, very, very powerful. He's bringing two things together. And the sum total of that is more than twice as much as one. So it is something which is definitely intentional. Hold that point, because we'll be coming back on that uh, in coming days. It's intentional. It's not accidental. Oh, I just happened to find myself with Clive and Richard, and we just sort of hang out, and yeah, you know, it's, it's nice. It's really like friends, you know. No, no. This is something which is, which is definitely um, intentional. It doesn't just happen. It's not just casual. So, looking at some of the characteristics, um, 1 John 4, verse 11. Um, are you going to flick them up, Clive? Yeah, all right. Um, basically, tells us about focusing on others. This is essentially about giving rather than getting. Uh, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Giving rather than getting is unconditional. Romans 14 uh, gives us clear instruction, accepting him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment. One man's faith lets him do this, another man does that. I mean, you know, trying to impose external constraints in order to get... I mean. I know the world would be a better place if you all looked like me, spoke like me, thought like me, smelt like me. I know. I jest. It was a little joke. It, this is not about some kind of outward conformity. If it was like that, God would have instructed us accordingly. About vulnerability, 1 John 1, verse 7. This is a good one. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, <coughs> i.e., according to his standard, we have fellowship with one another. Walking in the light, being open, being vulnerable. Uh, You never ever saw two billiard balls connect together because they're perfectly rounded and smooth and they bounce off one another. But the whole nature of a jigsaw puzzle is that there is a part that fits in exactly the right part. See, that's how God wants us to be. Not so, um, as it were, perfectly rounded uh, no vulnerability, uh, just bounce off one another. But yes, you know, there may be a gap here that's filled by something else. The issue of vulnerability, being open, actually saying how it really is. Of course, it's different now. I mean, um, certainly in my parents' generation, the kind of culture... The British culture was very, um, everything stiff, upper lip, you know, you don't let feelings known, uh, uh, no, no sort of outward emotion, uh, 
Then, of course, it, it, it kind of changed, and the idea is everything kind of comes out. And but that issue of, we just have to be a little bit careful. Now, I'm not saying that we go around telling our deepest need or greatest problem to everybody we come in touch with, but I don't know about you, but I find it difficult to relate to somebody that has no problems, has got it all together, life is perfect, and they, they know the answer to everything. Hmm? You don't really, come on now, you don't really relate to somebody like that at that depth. Because, I mean, how can you? First of all, that person would never understand me because they don't have problems. You know, they're presenting that they've got it all together. We know it's a farce, we know it's a lie. But that doesn't let you in. There's no connection point. It's a connection point. It's about vulnerability. Now, I'm not saying we go around in a kind of moaning, cringing, oh, I'm having a terrible time, Clive, and you know, everything's going wrong, and I am a worm. And, you know, I don't think... But I think the reality of saying how things are um, and being prepared to be open. Uh, and I'm not just talking about moaning about things, I'm talking about an openness to receive input, receive God's goodness in that. Serving. John 13, 15, that famous uh, chapter on serving. Galatians 5.13 says, through love serve each other. Probably one of the primary ways of actually uh, of demonstrating the truth of God's love, the characteristic, uh, is, is actually in serving. Honouring, giving preference to one another. Romans 12.10. Uh, in other people before me. Uh, it's, it's contrary to this world where a lot of the, the kind of prevailing mentality is me first, last, and always. Uh, the idea that we would actually stop and consider somebody else and do... It's in the heart of God and the expression of the love of God. Yeah? In honour, preference one to another. A commitment, John 15, verse 12, to lay down our life for one another same attitude of being prepared to give of myself in order to serve, in order to show, in order to demonstrate the love of God. Let's have a look quickly at a few practical expressions uh, of these characteristics of love. Of course, if our heart attitude is right, then practical action is actually instinctive. You see that in a natural situation. I know there's books you can read and people that can help you. Um, but broadly speaking, when, when a couple have a baby, um, there are things, as they love that child, uh, there are things which they just automatically seem to know, be able to access, be able to do. It, it, it becomes a kind of... Well, they love them, so they, there's an automatic response. And, of course, that must be at the heart of what we're talking about. You can't... If we developed 
a system of things. Just imagine this. These are the things which we do and we believe in doing in this community. Wouldn't that be sterile? Wouldn't that be horrific? I am serving you, Clive, because I believe in serving. I'm giving this to you, Martin, because we believe in giving. Dear Lord, don't want that. I'm doing this because this is what I have signed up to. We just suddenly invented a new pharisaical position, a new form of legalism. If it taint in the heart, what's the point? It's not going to minister the life of God. It's not going to be a demonstration of covenant relationship unless it is an expression of love. That's why some of the less spiritual ones, some of the less mature ones, like me, have to come before God and say, Lord, it's just need a little refreshing of heart, a little time in your presence. Because uh, I don't want to do anything out of a kind of duty or whatever. I want it to be a reflection of your heart. And Lord, you know I've got to see that Neil Jakes again today. Oh God, I need a double portion. <laughs> Oh, we do like to please Neil. Heart attitude. And then practical. Do you know to uh, engage practically, there has to be a level of awareness, aware of how somebody is. Do you know one of the ways we actually find out how somebody is, I mean, this is technical, it's advanced. Follow me, nudge somebody, say you, guess, you, you need to listen carefully to this. Uh, yeah, I mean, this... This is, this is a bit complicated. How am I going to know how somebody is? How are you? Actually asking. Now, the chances are they might turn around, not telling you. None of your business. But then, you know, if we're laying down our life, we're prepared to chance it, aren't we? More likely... Somebody is blessed to the very fact that we've demonstrated love and interest to actually care. Now, we're not really in the business of testing one another. But we are in the business of encouraging one another and helping one another to, to get it right. We work on the basis that the spirit is willing. Flesh sometimes is a bit weak. So, you know, a little nudge one to another to help us do the right thing. Is that all right? If I give you a little nudge and say, do you know what's happening with so-and-so? And you say, no. And I say, but should you? Will you stop talking to me for the next year? Will you fall out with me? Don't have a chance of doing that because I'll be after you. But you know, that... that sense of genuine application and helping us to do what we really believe in our heart to do. And of course it goes beyond words. Um, practical expression of giving, being part of a solution, rather than just expressing. James 2 verse 16 uh, talks about that. Um, have I given that one? If one of you says, oh, it's, it's somebody, you find somebody that is 
hungry and naked, and that you say, um, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, um, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? So we're not into platitudes, we're not into just saying nice things or right things, um, we're into actions because they speak a lot louder, so practical, actual, engaging. And of course, sometimes we do that by sharing. Uh, you know, little qu- what would you be willing to share? What of your possessions would you be willing to share? Or um, what would you not be willing to share? I'm not sharing books unless you sign for them, right? <laughs> That's for sure. And may God convict a number of you right now. <laughs> An interesting thought, isn't it? What would you share? Mm. <clears throat> I was willing to share my children. Particularly when they wouldn't sleep at night. Yeah. Sharing is not about getting rid of what you don't want. <laughs> Only because they didn't sleep. Oh my goodness me, you've got to be so careful what you say. Uh, we'll all be out here for prayer for rejection at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Serving, laying down preferences to help someone else. Let's come back to remind ourselves, this is supernatural, not just natural. Uh, the goal is not some cosy comfort. I feel so loved and so cared for. Nice. I would hope that that is an outcome, but it can't be the goal. But what about the development? What about the increase in Christ-likeness as well as expression? If Clive can help me develop if he can bring something to help me develop, to become more Christ-like, then the effectiveness of the representation of God on the earth is, is increased. I mean, that is the heart of, of the development of covenant relationship. Of course, you've got to be in the heart. By the way, there has to be an agreement actually into this together. I know I talked about covenant has to be very specific. But there has to be an agreement, whether it's covenant direct or covenant in a group of people. The Bible says, uh, I mean, how can uh, Amos 3, verse 3, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Very difficult to um, build unless there's an agreement or to operate or to act in a particular way. You can't bring a group of people together and say, this is, this, we're going to be an expression of this, if there's not an agreement of wanting to be an expression of that. That's very, very important. I want to go on. I want to see that development. I want to move into the fullness of what God's got in covenant relationship. If I'm going to do that, I need others that are of the same. No, I don't want to do that. I want to... Um, I really got my heart fixed on developing my donkey sanctuary. It's not going to work. It's like no agreement on the direction. So giving rather than getting, selfish, not self, selfless, not selfish, honesty and love, really 
mattering to someone. Hehe. <laughs> Who do you matter to? Who matters to you? I want us to do some serious thinking about this in the next few days because we're going to come back to it. What about a commitment to a person where you don't necessarily get a good reaction? I stay committed to you even if I don't get the reaction. Isn't that love? Isn't that an expression of love? I might not have got the nicest reaction, but you know I'm going to change my commitment to you, my love for you. It's not dependent upon how you respond and react. And you have to be close enough to know and care enough to do something about it. We talked about the openness, the readiness to talk, to get guidance, to be corrected. Real honesty, willingness to say what somebody needs to hear rather than what they want to hear or like to hear. Recognising that these are things which will help shape one another in the likeness of God. And readiness, therefore, to spend time and share in the word of God together uh, so that there can be application of it. And, of course, constantly looking for that prompting of the Holy Spirit, uh, that nudge from God that shows us and tells us what to do. I said already, I think, you know, just... We, we tend to think... Oh, well, I, yes, I must give more time to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying time is not important. But we mustn't, we mustn't just think. Because, look, just follow me through. Giving more time can simply be, it can be right, right? I'm not saying it's all wrong. But it can just be, if I put more effort into this, then all of a sudden it becomes a work of the flesh. It's not a work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm talking about the promptings of God. I'm talking about, you know, I said earlier on, um, you know, it can be two sentences or a word or a thought or a simple act of kindness and it's not an issue of time. It's an issue of what we're actually ministering because we're ministering. Remember that scripture, if... By the finger of God I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come. Anything that we do under the lordship, under the direction, under the rule of God, which is about advancing, is about defeating the enemy and advancing, is an extending of the kingdom. And we're talking about the primary way in which we have that opportunity to do that. Well, you know, me and Neil, we're in covenant relationship. He's my buddy. We never have a disagreement. Actually, we don't often. I should, I should probably use Avril as an example. <laughs> what we're talking about, this is not about not disagreeing. Nothing wrong with disagreeing. We find out, we learn things, we get adjusted by the value of disagreeing. Nothing wrong in that. It's just we don't fall out. It doesn't get into a kind of sour attitude. 
I'm not talking about everything being... By, it talks about iron sharpening iron. You ever seen iron sharpening iron? Sparks fly. Yeah. yeah, sparks fly. Very good. All right. I um, just take a few minutes because I want to give you... I've been asking some people, give me some actual examples. Now, I've changed the names to protect the guilty. All right? A spoke to B during lunch, or just having lunch together, regarding a difficult work situation. And they prayed together. Well, that's good. Then B actually contacted A every day for, to give further support, to pray through. And actually, God resolved the whole situation. But in the course of that, A realised that B wasn't just a quick prayer and on his way, but has, was expressing a commitment, a, a concern to stand with. C noticed, I'm not going right through the alphabet now, come to me. C noticed that D hadn't been around. So instead of just saying, oh, anybody seen D? You know what he did? Got on his bike and went there. Hey, what's going on? What's happening? How's it going? Actually visited. Just one little act made the difference. We talk about open doors and the people involved in that. And then this past week, um, they spent, as a culmination of a whole host of uh, inputs and involvements, spent a day in court seeking to help someone get their children back. Uh, in face of opposition, ideological opposition from professionals. And of course, the thing that again commended was the stickability, the care, the engagement, the involvement, the community as they express their love in that way. When uh, I can use this one because it's Sue and Richard. When Sue's back was real bad and we had that snow and uh, they said, no, the doctor can't come. She was in a lot of pain, couldn't get up. And the uh, ambulance couldn't come. So Richard got um, some of the brothers who would not necessarily always, but they'd be known for their strength, but not always for their gentleness. And man <laughs> managed to get Sue. That's, that's just we do they got her and got in the car but you know after that word got around they were inundated with all sorts of practical support and meals and things like that about the outworking of some of these things V challenged W who would readily give solutions to fix V rather than listening to the outwork and the explaining of the problem. And so V challenged W. W received the correction. And guess who the person is that V goes to now more readily? W. It wasn't just about the right answer, it was the, the readiness to listen. You know, without 
in a situation like that, without genuine relationship, they probably wouldn't have spoken again, at least for a long time. We're talking about something deeper. When P came amongst us, there was a sharp <laughs> learning curve. Now, you're, you're all trying to work out who these people are, aren't you? Uh, only I know. Ha, ha, ha. I have the key. Sharp learning curve to see that we actually confront issues or ways of dealing with things rather than just get upset and withdraw. And I had to learn how to express responses that cause problems rather than just withdraw. And it resulted in the growth of relationship. G chose to visit somebody instead of doing what was needed to be done actually at home. I will sacrifice these things that I was going to get done. And of course, it communicates love. It communicates care. Uh, Q had someone house-sitting, looking after the house uh, while they were away. Came back and found that the garden had all been done and new plants had been put in. Just that going the second mile, doing something else. Communication of love. I'm not sure it's right to be guessing, because some of these get a little bit easier. Church van got covered in graffiti. Some of the young people were going to help. And before they got there, without even being asked, X had got there and dealt with it. No guessing. About a family on a tight budget. Kay heard about it and went out and bought two months' supply of mints for the freezer. Practical. Nice to have had a bunch of flowers, but you can't eat them. I always remember uh, when one of, the, uh, one of the children were born and uh, one of the people in the church then they came and, you know, some people brought flowers and things like that, but they brought a saucepan of potatoes. You know what? I really appreciated the saucepan of potatoes. Flowers are nice, but you try stewing them. They're horrible. <laughs> yeah. Practical expressions of love focus on the need. All right, well, our time is going. Maybe pick up a couple more of those later. Outcome of covenant relationship, sharing of joys, sorrows, celebrations. Basically, the person who you know you'd turn to for help. A place ordained by God for you to serve, being joined together. A place of responding without working out the cost before times. A place where you'd say, what matters to you matters to me. That's a good test. If it's mattering to you, is it mattering to me? Not whether it should matter to you, but the fact that it is mattering to you. Like family. There's good times, there's bad times, but it's always family. Practical things. We do a lot of that. Helping, house moving, providing meals, just being there. 
one of the most dramatic... I mean, let me just share this with you. One of the most dramatic times for me in just being there, well, there were two, and I'll just mention one now, was uh, many years ago, I wasn't well, and they couldn't find out what was wrong, and I couldn't eat. In fact, I got to the point where I could just hardly sip water, and it was just a bit of a mystery. And uh, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but uh, Ken came um, as a doctor, and one of the other brothers came, who's not with us now, who was really... Uh, God was using him in healing. And it was a very, very interesting thing because they, they came and when they, when they walked in, they said, it's strange. Um, we've not come as a doctor or somebody who prays for the sick. We just came because we felt we should, we should be with you. What they didn't know was early that morning, I'd had... Uh, a kind of, I don't know, a, a revelation or a, something brought back to mind about the friends that came and lifted their friend into the presence of Jesus. Remember, they tore the roof away. And they hadn't come for any purpose other than just to be there and just to say, we just came. And by the way, from that moment, I got better. But... It's one of those things that kind of it sticks in your mind that there's a time when you haven't got, you know, I don't know what to say, I'm the doctor, I don't know what to do, I'm the one who prays for the sick. It's not about how much knowledge we've got, it's what's in our heart that God uses. And it just comes bubbling through and God uses it. And of course, we expect, because it's a delight to do the will of God, to enjoy times together and share life stories together because I tell you because you're interested uh, and join together to meet um, really bigger needs and more important needs and take this loving beyond the uh, beyond the social veneer into something which is powerful and impactful and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What I'm talking about is a more powerful, greater demonstration of what God is like as we come together in covenant relationship. As we actually say, is this it? Or is there something more to live in? The fullness of what God has for us. And that's the, that's the thing I want you to think of. That's the challenge in coming days as we look to seek God for his purpose and how we're going to be expressing that in our time. Let's worship together.